Welcome to the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast, where we discuss the art, science, and application of high-performance strength and conditioning. Join Mike Perry and Brett Jones as they share invaluable experiences as veteran strength coaches, lecturers, and educators. Welcome to Season 4 of the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast. Welcome back to the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast. My name is Mike Perry, and I'm here with Brett Jones. Brett, how are things, my friend? Fabulous, fabulous. Busy, busy. Uh, rolling into Valentine's Day, and um, yeah, just looking forward. We have questions, submitted questions. People wanted to have questions answered, so we have them, and we're going to we answer do. them. All right. So this so- is like mailbag or, uh, you know... What do they used to call that in the old timey days? Kind of mailbag or. Uh, uh, you know. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I don't know, Brad. I'm not that old. Um, <laughs> Easy. <laughs> sorry, that was a layup. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're going to answer some questions. This this uh, this should be fun. But look, hey, if your question, uh, if for some reason we didn't get an opportunity to answer it, um, it's because it sucked. No, seriously, um, we'll do our best to. Um, to answer as many questions as possible, uh, given the time that we have. So there's no such thing as a dumb question. And uh, today we're going to do what we can to answer some pretty good ones. So Brett, lead the dance, my friend. All right. <clears throat> so uh, the question, um, and I'm going to paraphrase these questions so that we don't have to name people directly, but, um, and I've, I've gotten this one a lot. I know that you've gotten a lot as you've been involved in the kettlebell community um, you know, I've achieved my SFG one. Do I need to get a personal training certification? Um, my answer to this is always yes. So, and there was a question on the forum recently where somebody was asking like, what is the knowledge base? What do you learn at the cert? And, uh, you know, how much, um, what, what are you taught at the cert and how much a kind of background knowledge do you need? So understand that, and I'll speak directly for strong first. Uh, we are a specialty hands-on certification. Uh, we have enough to teach you in the three days that we have you, and we are focused on teaching you the principles, concepts, uh, strong first coaching techniques, and uh, changing your form and getting you to SFG standard form and to looking at your ability to teach it. That's enough to accomplish in the time frame that we have you. There is a whole pedagogical or theoretical body of knowledge that supports the ability to train people, contraindications, um, just basic training knowledge. And I always recommend either, you know, get with the big three or four certifications. Uh, that is ACE, NSCA, NASM. Um, and I'm, I'm sure, you know, there's a couple others that could fill the box there. But uh, so you've got your kettlebell certification. Do you need a personal training certification? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. You you should get that. Uh, and the other thing I would say is, if you have your SFG1, are you coaching people? Do you know how to coach? Because there's a lot of people that have gotten their certification and they're really good athletes. They're really good at exercising themselves. So there's a difference between being a good athlete and being able to demonstrate things well. But there's also, if you listen, let's be honest, if you're going to get paid, you need to be really good 
at teaching other people what to do. That's just, that's just part of it. So, you know, I think the, the most important thing is you got to coach as many people as possible. And, and honestly, when you are coaching, coach as many different types of people, high school, middle school, older, younger, that's going to give you far more experience. Right. And, um, at the end of the day, you can get as many certifications as you want. There's value in all of them, but one certification will not get you everything you need to be the best in the world. It won't. You have to constantly pull from different areas and, and, and different certifications and different individuals. And as long as it's principle-based and it's not a bunch of guru-esque BS, you're going to learn from, from so many different angles. I mean, I'll give you a perfect example. Um, you know, I've been training fighters for, for 12, 13 years. And, uh, I started really, really focusing on training lacrosse players and I'm, I'm back into the world of, of, you know, training soccer, lacrosse, et cetera. Now that I'm back into the mechanics of speed development, change of direction, it's actually making me a much better coach when it comes to movement and, uh, in BJJ and combat sports, because I'm understanding things a little bit differently from a different angle. So short story long, um, you need to get. Yeah, definitely get one of those certifications, NSCA, NASM, whatever. But at the end of the day, you have to find an environment where you can teach, where you can learn, and you can constantly challenge yourself to be a better coach. And uh, that's what I, that mind, they're just, they're just a small part of it. Yep. So I had just a short uh, cut out there on your, uh, on your audio mic, but uh, I think we got everything. Um, and we would also mention liability insurance when you're a member, you know, I've been a member of the NSCA for over 25 years now, and um, I've had my liability insurance with them for, for the entire time. So it's an easy way to have a very recognized uh, national certification, liability insurance, and, and check the box on some of that base ground uh, baseline information um, research, you know, there, I get the NSCA journal and, and I stay up to date on research and, and things like that via via um, all of that. So uh, highly recommend it. Um, there's there's a lot to learn. And then you should be reading and studying and taking other stuff as, as you move along. OK, so to the first question, what's next? Yes. Personal training cert for all the reasons that uh, we discussed. Uh, the next question, I think uh, it's a kind of a layup for you, uh, Mr. Perry, since you have successfully operated a gym for uh, a while now, and it's uh, building building a community in a gym or a studio. And I was I was actually on a podcast with uh, a chiropractic group, and um, you know because they set up wellness centers and have fitness centers within their practices uh, a lot of times nowadays. And uh, the question was, you know, what what do we need to take into consideration as we're setting up the facility? And I think my question surprised my answer surprised most of them when I said. You need to think about the community uh, of the of the gym. What kind of community are you going to develop within that gym? I mean, you look at somebody um, like Mark Fisher Fitness. That is a vastly different situation than I would assume walking into Pablo Masek's gym in Czechia. Uh, Pablo Masek has a very martial arts background. It's it's going to be very much in that martial arts uh, stream of things. Mark Fisher Fitness is. 180 degrees uh, from that and is, you know, his, his members, people that are there have a ton of fun and there's every iteration in between. So what, and if you don't think about 
and establish what you want the culture of your gym to be, it'll get established for you. And that might not be what you want. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to be brutally honest because um, I really haven't actually shared this with, with a, a lot of people, but um, when we started SOS, um, we really didn't know anything about building a gym or community. Uh, I'll be, <laughs> you know, here, here's what I did know. Um, I was very, very anal about programming and making sure that whenever I was coaching, I did the best job pos possible. And I was very good at writing programs that a lot of people could understand and implement well. And those were my strengths. So that's how we built the gym. We didn't know much about community, to be honest. You know, there was a bunch of mistakes we made along the way, but I knew that the quality of what I was trying to create was really good. And I held myself to really high standards uh, to the way that we have grown our gym. Um, now, looking back at it, I wish I knew a little bit more about community building and trying to create um, an environment uh, where, um, you know, where let's just say the environment that we have now, which took 13 years, almost 14 years. Um, I wish I would have known how to create that earlier in the evolution of SOS, because I'm really happy with where it's at. Um, but at the same time, it was an absolute evolution. It just, it changed. And, and I mean, look, I've, the gym's going to change. There was a global pandemic and I was diagnosed with cancer. Things are a little different after that. Right. So we had to kind of ride those waves a little bit as well. Um, you have to be able to, to be agile too, right? And you have to be flexible. You have to have the opportunity that when you see things sort of starting to go wrong, you have to be very, very quick to recognize those things and minimize your lag time when there's problems. And that's something that not a lot of people do. That's a vital, vital part. But I think there's two things that you need to focus on when you are growing a business. I think the quality needs to be there. Like you need to deliver the best damn product you can. And then two, you need to make it an experience that people absolutely love being there. And if you constantly focus on both of those, sometimes it's gonna be one, sometimes it's gonna be something else. I think you can't go wrong. I think if your heart's in the right place and you understand the strengths and the weaknesses, but also what you're good at and what you're bad at and you learn how to delegate, that's when I think you can start to grow your business is when you can really dissect it and see like what needs to be done, what, what you're doing well, what you're not doing well. And you always have to be willing to self-assess honestly and go, hey, look, what can we do well? And what can we, you know, what are we doing well? And, and, and what, what do we need to fix? You always have to be sort of scanning to, to find ways to fix things and, and to make things run more efficiently. And I think that's something people don't understand about building a successful business is you're constantly looking for ways to make it better, which is a blessing and a curse. Absolutely. Um, and to maybe pull back into the 30, 50,000 foot zone uh, sort of area, um, two huge things. Make sure your gym is clean and be nice respect uh and having a clean place to walk into goes a long way so it doesn't have to be overly complicated um and you know if you're going to if you're going to play you know um angry heavy metal music you're going to get a certain type of, of person in if you're going to play mellow jazz 
another type of person, probably I could be that same person, but you know, uh, you'll usually get two different people walking into those facilities. So things to think about as far as your culture is concerned, um, clean facility, operate with respect. Think about your music, your music matters. The, that's part of your environment. Think about your lighting. If it's too dark, if it's too bright, if people, you know, there's there's little things that get involved here that help set the foundation for how people are going to interact with that environment. And then being what makes us great presenters, the skill that uh, that I know I've developed over the over the years is I can handle the questions. I, I am not afraid to stand up and present and handle the questions that are going to come up. Well, that's the same thing as being a facility owner. And yeah. that question could be everything from, hey, the toilet's clogged up to, hey, my knee hurts. <laughs> so That that should uh, be a uh, stories of a business owner. That's going to be another podcast because, boy, yes, do I have a lot. Exactly. Um, so got some ideas for you there. A um, little bit of a switching gears. Uh, we had a, a kind of a, a couple of questions. Um, one is is an interesting question of, how do you maintain a healthy relationship with exercise and keep from overdoing it? And what types of goals should I set to stay motivated and train regularly? So let's actually handle the second one first, because I think if you handle the second one first, you answer the first question first, mm -hmm. <laughs> if that makes sense to anybody that was listening. So the second question was, what type of goals should I set to stay motivated and train regularly? Um, now, one of my personal feelings on this is you need to actually enjoy what you're doing. So when I, I have a hard time not doing an iron cardio session, like I'm in the middle of this simple and sinister February, which I came up with, which I now have to do, which is, yeah, I, I, no good deed goes unpunished. So, well, you know, today's a day where I'm just going to be doing swings and get ups and I'm not looking forward to it as much as yesterday when I did the iron cardio before my swings and, and uh, get-ups. So first step number one, what type of goal should I set to stay motivated and train regularly is enjoy what you're doing. Um, now, what sort of goal? I think you actually have to reach a point where you don't have a goal because believe it or not, you will run out of goals. <laughs> There's only so many certifications you can prep for. There's only so many swing goals that you can reach. There's only so many snatch goals. There's only so many competitions. There's only at a certain point, this becomes part of your life. And you train because it's a day ending in Y. And you're going to, to move forward with that. Now, in the early term, and there's a lot of people that have success with setting a goal of, say, running a 5K, run their first 5K, run their first half marathon, whatever the case may be. Um, compete in the TSC, accomplish the strong first level one, um, secret service snatch test. You know, there, there's a lot of goals that you can hang out there. Um, so pick one that works for you. And then, like I said, you actually have to enjoy what you're doing in order to train regularly. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just, I'm writing a couple notes down. Um, so everybody's different. And, uh, I think I'm going to come at this a little bit differently and, and I'm a huge fan of Simon Sinek, but I think the the first thing is start with why, you know, and I think you have to really be honest with yourself and why are you exercising? 
like deep down, right? Um, is it because you know you um, maybe you need to to lose some weight and that's part of the equation, or maybe it, you had poor cardiovascular health, or maybe you went up two flights of stairs and that really uh, sort of hit you hard. So I think the the most important thing is is find your reason, and it has to be a true authentic reason um, that's that's going to sort of hit you in your soul, not just the superficial reason. I think that's really important, um, and I think you have to base a lot of your decisions off of that. And then I think once you figure out like why, um, I think you can have a little bit more framework because um, if you don't really nail down exactly what you want, um, it's going to be harder and it's going to get fuzzy. So find your why. What's the reason for it? It could be multiple reasons. And then I think it's going to be a lot easier to, to steer things. So, you know, um, it, it, everyone's different, but it needs to hit you in a it needs to hit you in a way that's going to make sense. Right. And I'm not saying you have to build in, you know, high stakes or guidelines, but, um, uh, there needs to be, uh, there needs to be, um, a part of it that really means something to you. And I think that's a big part of it. Um, also I think you have to be realistic with the situation that you're in and where you're at in your life and how much time you can dedicate towards health and wellness. Because I think a lot of people assume that I'm just going to go to the gym three days a week, or I'm going to sign up for a gym membership, but they actually haven't looked at the logistics of driving, arriving, training, cleaning up. So uh, I think you have to be very, very realistic with what you can and cannot do. And I think it's best to undershoot than overshoot. Um, every time someone has come into the gym excited, saying that they're going to train four times a week, usually leaves in about a month. That's just how it is. But the people that are like, hey, my goal is over time to get there two to three days a week. Some week it may, some weeks it may be more, some weeks it may be less. But my goal by the end of the year is to be as consistent as possible with the amount of times I go. And I think those are the things that we have to really do is set realistic expectations. And the hard part is when you're setting your realistic expectations, you, you can't have an ego, especially if you're someone who used to train really hard or used to be a power lifter, an ex-athlete. Because you're going to set, you're going to have these expectations of things you used to be able to do and how you used to be able to do them. But that was when you had a very, very different life and situation. So I think you have to look at it and go, where am I at in my life? What am I doing? And what is truly realistic? Um, and then I think from there, you have to create a game plan and you have to, you have to build in some ways that will hold you accountable. I'll be perfectly honest. I had a conversation with my son the other day about accountability and guys, it wasn't for me holding him accountable. It was asking him to hold me accountable. And you're probably like, what guys, I own a gym. I've been, uh, I've competed at a high level in sports. I am not enjoying exercise right now. I'm just not enjoying it, but people are watching <laughs> kids are watching. Right. So I said to Connor, I was like, look, I'm having, a, I'm having a tough time exercising, but I know I need to exercise, but I'm having a tough time when we're together and the opportunity allows us, will you get on me to train and kind of nudge me to train? He goes, yeah. So it's like, I had to build in my 12 year old. I had to tell my 12 year old to hold his dad accountable. Right. And, and for me, who's watching. So like, for me, I had to do that. And it was hard. I had to be like, oh my gosh, I'm literally telling my 12 year old that I don't like exercising, but at the same time, I'm being honest with him. And uh, he was really cool about it. And he was, he had a little smirk on him. But my point is, is that if you, if you attack it in a specific way, in a thoughtful way, I think your ability to adhere to the change over time it's going to be that much better.
Absolutely. And to the subject of maintaining a healthy relationship with exercise, which is kind of the, the side conversation off of your, your accountability conversation is so right off, right up front. If in the process of following your exercise program, you are constantly sick, injured, tired, and not enjoying what you're doing, you need to reevaluate what you're doing, how you're doing it, the whole thing. Because if you're sick, injured, tired, and not happy with what you're doing, the chances of you having a healthy relationship with that thing are zero. Um, and you, and if you're constantly overdoing it, how do I know if I'm constantly overdoing it? You're constantly trying to figure out how to recover from your training or you're sick or you're injured. <laughs> if those three things are going on, you, you do not have a healthy relationship with exercise. Um, I also think you should be okay with taking days off. One of the ways I know you have a healthy, un an unhealthy relationship with exercise is you are scared to death of missing a workout. You are scared to death. You're, you're trying to plan your entire vacation around your ability to get in your two hour workouts. You have an unhealthy relationship with exercise. You should be okay saying, and, and I, this is what I do. If I know I'm headed into a week where I'm either traveling, teaching, or taking a vacation, I'll train a little harder heading into that week, and then I will take that week off. I don't even worry about trying to get a training session in. So uh, Adam Perry has a great saying that your fitness should serve your life. Your life should not serve your fitness. And that is a fantastic mindset to start to develop is that your fitness should serve your life. It makes you a better parent. It makes you a better partner. It makes you a better whatever you happen to be. So that's when you start to develop a healthy relationship with exercise, when fitness or exercise serves your life. Your life does not serve your exercise. And if you're sick, injured, or tired, and constantly trying to figure out how to uh, recover from your exercise, you are overdoing it. Yeah. Well, but, but and, and, and honestly, that leads into, um, you know, a lot of people, but exercise is good. Is it? For whom? It is. Right. You know, but, but how much? Right. <laughs> and for whom? Right. So it's like, it's right. like anything. And I think uh, yep. one thing that people don't realize is that, yeah, there are people that are addicted to exercise. Exercise is their drug. Just like I'll be the first one to admit busyness is my drug busyness yep. is my my drug and and there's a um there's a there's a quote by john deloney really really smart guy and he says uh what was it it was um if busyness is your drug then relaxation will feel like stress and you can substitute busyness for all those other things but my point is is that um you know if like i said if you're there and you can't take days off and I think it's time to really step back and and maybe dig a little bit deeper, right? I'm I'm not saying yeah. you have to, you know, go and uh, you know, sign up and do a year with a shrink, but I'm just saying it's like figure it out, like be honest. Why do you feel like you need to be there for for so many days a week and and dig a little bit deeper? But it's a very very deep rooted question, um, and uh, there's a lot that goes into it for sure. So two more questions here before we wrap today's episode. Number one is. Um, Somebody new to exercise or somebody who's looking for a coach, how do you cut through all the noise? How do you get to somebody that knows what they're doing? Um, broad strokes here, 
but the person who is always, never, this is the only way, or all they do is bash other people, those are four indicators to me that I'm probably not going to be listening to this person for very long. Um, it's not flashy. It's not sexy. It's not going to get clicks. But the person that is consistent, that is adaptable, that uh, I, I actually look for somebody that gives the answer, it depends. And I know there's people that are going to be listening to this and like, well, I heard that, you know, the person that says it depends is just, you know, they're not that good at what they do. No, no. The person that answers it depends understands that, um, well, it uh, depends on you, the individual that's actually going to be doing the work. And so uh, I, my favorite saying with my students right now is no plan survives contact with the enemy. And I'm sorry, you and your life are the enemy. Changes in your schedule, changes in your stress, changes in your diet, sleep, hydration, nutrition, all of those things are going to come home to roost and it's going to make, and it means that I have to be able to, as the coach, be able to be adaptable. You want to train with just body weight? Cool. You want to train with kettlebells? Obviously, I'm a fan. Um, you want to do barbells? You want to, like, I'm adaptable. Uh, you're very rarely going to hear me say always, never, um, or what did I say in the beginning? I don't know. <laughs> always, always, never, or this is the only way. Uh, yeah. those, those are red flags. Yeah. No, I mean, you can't have that sort of uh, my way or the highway view these days. It just doesn't work. And and people are going to see right through that anyways. Um, listen, hiring a coach is an investment, right? I mean, it, you're going to spend some money. Don't just like Google stuff. I mean, yeah, you can Google stuff. Right? You can look at our gym. We got great reviews, right? We got a bunch of great reviews. But how do you know we didn't run a campaign that said, for every person that writes a positive review, we'll give you $100. Now, we didn't do that, but people do that, right? So that's a part of it. So you can only take it um, so far. But here's what I would do. Go to a gym, sit down, have a, have, a, have a consultation with the gym. If they won't sit down and spend a half hour with you, then I don't think you should spend your money there. Or if the only thing they want you to do is to sign up for the rest of your life, I don't think you should go there, right? I think you should try to find a place that um, cares a little bit more about um, uh, what's being provided. And also, I, you know, I'm saying it because yes, I am biased, but look at the longevity of the company. If it's been around in the same location for a fairly long time, uh, they're doing something right. Um, you know, we have been where we are for 13 years. We've expanded twice, but you know, we've, you know, we've grown and, and we've done it in a consistent fashion. So I think if you look at, you know, the gyms, if there's, if there's a gym that's been around for three years or longer, and they've, they've showed some growth, they're probably doing something right. Um, but do your homework, you know, spend a little bit more time researching and looking at individuals and also see how busy they are. <laughs> that sounds silly, but, um, there's a lot of people that are looking for 10 individuals that want to get shredded. Um, and that's because if they're constantly looking for 10 individuals that need to get shredded, it means they're not busy and maybe they're not that good at what they do. But anyways, I didn't say that point being is, um, if they're busy and they have a book of business and they've been doing it for a very long time and they have testimonials and people that can actually vouch for them, that's where you want to spend your money.
Definitely. Um, and, and your point of uh, interviewing the person that you, that you're going to invest in trusting your health and, and life and, and goals to is yeah, you, you need to do that. Um, at people that contact me for online training, I always say, let's schedule a call so we can talk about how I can be of assistance. Yep. I never say click here to sign up. Yep. Um, I'm always going to have that call. Um, okay. Last question. This is one that uh, I've never answered before, <clears throat> um, but essentially why kettlebells? You know, and, and if you're, if you're somebody who is specializing in a modality and there are trainers that are TRX trainers, there are trainers that are, uh, you know, whatever body weight flow movement thing trainers, there's, there, there's a bunch of different modalities that people specialize in. And that's cool. I'm not saying not to do that. I have certainly specialized in kettlebell training for over 20 years now, 22 years of certified being certified as a kettlebell instructor. Um, so yes. I've answered the question of why kettlebells for uh, more than a couple of times. So my three, four elevator speech is thick handle offset center of gravity, loaded eccentric position. The thick handle is going to ensure that we're training your grip, which is a key to building a stronger body. The offset center of mass is a benefit that guides you into better positions early on and then challenges those positions later on to build even more strength and resilience. The loaded eccentric position is the secret sauce of kettlebell training. It is the ability to achieve high load eccentrics and redirection of force in a very efficient package. Uh, anything you can do with a dumbbell, you can do it with a bar. With, uh, anything you can do with a dumbbell, you can do it with a kettlebell and better. So that's my little elevator speech on why do I specialize in kettlebells? Just gave you four fantastic reasons of why I specialize in, in uh, kettlebell training. That's a fairly large building that we're in right there, Brett. Um, anywho. Slow uh, elevator, brother. <laughs> fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Um, I'm going to actually answer it differently. Why not kettlebells? Because honestly, they're not for everybody. I said that, Brett. All right. Um, if you don't want to take the time to learn how to do something correctly and, uh, and, and dedicate a decent amount of time to learning something new, you should not train with kettlebells. Um, if you simply want your ass kicked all the time, every time, um, there's, there's other ways to do that. Right. Um, so, you know, I think that you have to understand that when you decide to train with kettlebells or any modality, if we're being honest here, if you want to get incredibly proficient with those, it's going to take some time to develop the skill. It's an investment of time and, uh, an effort. So I, I think it's like anything. Um, if you just want to show up to a, a boot camp where they're running you through a bunch of crap for 30 on 30 off and get murdered for 35 minutes, cool. Like that can be done. But um, I, I just think that if you truly want to reap the benefits of kettlebell training, dialing in your mobility, spending a little bit more time on learning the skill of strength, someone should, should uh, name a gym that. But anyways, point being is, it's very skill oriented if you want to truly reap the benefits of what they can provide. But the, the, the kettlebells have nothing to do with it. They are just an implement. You are the magic. Making those kettlebells move is how you're going to reap the benefits of it, right? Yes, obviously the handle and, and the, the shape makes a huge difference. But point being is if you use them in a way that is efficient in the way that we teach it strong first or a way that a, a lot of other people teach it as well, um, good things will happen. But you can expect 
to be good right out of the gate. It's like you can't be a black belt in jujitsu right out of the gate. It won't happen. You have to put the time in. So I would just encourage you to think about it as a skill that you're developing, not just a method of getting your ass handed to you. Okay, quick bonus question. Somebody asked about what to do if you're stuck in your simple and sinister progression. Uh, go read my article, uh, Help, I'm Stuck, uh, from the Strong First website, and uh, that'll give you some uh, some ideas. But uh, but yeah, I've answered the why kettlebells question a, a whole bunch of times. And to your point of really embracing a skill journey, uh, and uh, I come back to Dr. Ed Thomas's quote, I never went to the gym to work out. I went to the gym to learn. Would you like to learn how to use your body and how to move move loads in your life better? Then kettlebell training is an excellent practice for you to get into. So uh, we do have some more questions that we will get to at a future podcast, but uh, this has been fun. Um, it's kind of rapid fire, and and uh, we 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 did spend hours meticulously researching our answers, uh, but hopefully you enjoyed them. So. Uh, Thanks. Yeah, Paul. no, it's good. Some different things. It gives us uh gives us a few more topics to to dig a little bit deeper into. So, um all right, buddy. Well, that'll wrap it up for today. Friends, we appreciate you guys listening and uh do us a huge favor. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a positive review on whatever platform you're listening to and we'll see you guys on the next episode. Hey everybody, Coach Mike here. Thank you so much for your support. We truly appreciate it. If you could do us a huge favor, please give us a positive review on whatever platform you're listening to. And also, please share this with your friends, colleagues, teammates, and fitness enthusiasts. Thank you again for supporting the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast.